ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानंजन शलाकय A list of great personalities is given in this verse. These two verses. They're great, no doubt. Great demons. You can just imagine we have some great demons of whom, in this century on this earth, Stalin and Hitler have been very famous, and since then there have been big. How do you say genocists, killers of many people? Pol Pot in Kampuchea and in Serbia. You have some famous guy in Bosnia, Serb, one of your people. I, I don't know his name. Not, it's becoming so normal these days to be to genocide that you don't get famous by doing it anymore. You have to do something more sensational. So you can imagine that all of these demons were all much more nasty than Stalin and Hitler put together. They were all on the surface of the earth at the same time. Therefore, the earth prayed to Lord Brahma, "Please help! You you put you put this whole universe together. Now you better help us out. You made the you made the demons as well as us. We're the devotees, so." You'd better help us out. There are so many demons, including my own son. I can't control him. Bhumas, a big demon. You do something about it. So the something that was done was that Krishna appeared in this world. When the Lord appears, he appears with many, many devotees. So the Yadu dynasty, and many, many members, and so many. Uh, Were devotees directly from the spiritual world, and there are others also who are demigods from the heavenly planets, or also devotees who appeared as members of the Yadu dynasty to join with Krishna in his pastimes. Particularly, three incarnations of the Lord, namely Krishna, Ramachandra, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. When they come, they deliver many, 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 many living beings back to God. Others, they also they come for the pleasure of their devotees, but particularly these three forms of the Lord, they have many, many interesting pastimes, and they deliver so many people back to God. Ramchandra, he took all the monkeys, and then so many inhabitants of the forest, and all the inhabitants of Ayodhya, he took them all back to Godhead, and by their wonderful pastimes, which are recorded. In Ramayana, Mahabharat, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Bhagavatam, Shrimad Bhagavatam, they continue to attract the minds of conditioned souls and deliver them back to Godhead. Also, even after their manifest presence is over, they also deliver many demons. Even you'll find Manodari. She was the wife of Ravana. She knew that Ram was the supreme lord. And many times she used to say to Ram, to Ravana, "You please let this Sita go because it's not auspicious for you to keep." Even she's Maya Sita; she's not exactly the internal potency of the Lord, which Ravana cannot touch. But it's very inauspicious. Ram will come and destroy you. You give him back, and then we can live. We can continue to, even we we are demons. We can we can continue to live as demons. But if you don't let him go, then you won't 
even be able to live as a demon. But Ravana being a demon never cared for Ram. He thought he's just a man. I can't be killed by a man. I'm a big demon. So eventually, eventually of course Ram did kill Ravana. And then Mandodari said, thank you very much for killing. She said to Ram, thank you. You liberated him. I'm glad you killed him. Someone had to kill him. Such a disturbance. You are very merciful to him. You killed him. Similarly, Marichi, when he was requested by Ravana that you take the form of a deer and you, you entice Ram away from Sita so that I can kidnap him. And Marichi said, you're a rogue. What a, what a, what a nasty, I mean, I'm a demon, but I was just, Marichi was meditating in the forest and being afraid of Ram. And I'm a demon, but at least I know what's what. You won't get any, you won't get any auspiciousness from kidnapping Sita. That will be the end of you. But he said that anyway, I know you're such a puffed up demon that you won't, you don't listen to anybody. So I'll follow your order. If I don't follow your order, you'll kill me. And if I do follow your order, Ram will kill me. I'll be killed by Ram rather than you. If I get killed by you, I'll just have to join. I'll simply uh, go to hell. But if I'm killed by Ram, I'll be liberated. So Krishna kills so many demons. Krishna, Ram, all the avatars, they, they, not all, but many of them, they kill many demons. Or they're... Even not all of them do. Vamandev, we don't have any information of him killing any demons, but he was involved in so many crooked activities by which later there was a big fight between the demons and the demigods and so many demons got killed by this sweet little Brahmin boy. A big fight ensued after his, after his getting involved in the affairs between the demigods and the demons. So, here is a list of big demons, not little demons, big demons, serious demons, firmly committed to the demoniac way of life and very powerful also. They all appeared on the earth at this time and they were all killed by Krishna or by his devotees. To be killed by the devotees of Krishna is also auspicious. And that doesn't mean that we should think, I'm a devotee, let me go and kill a few people. No. In this age, we have to kill by killing the demoniac mentality. And it's a good idea to start with our own demoniac mentality. If we're going to kill, by killing demons, maybe we'll be on the list too, you don't know. So all these demons, they got killed either by Krishna directly or many demons were killed by, especially by Dima and Arjuna. What is that in Gita? That Duryodhana points out. Bhima Arjuna Virakshita. The opposite army that is protected by Bhima and Arjuna. These are the two big warriors on the Pandava side. They, they, Duryodhana thought that they, these are the only two obstacles. If these two are cleared out, Bhima and Arjuna, then there's no problem. Yudhishthira, we can knock him over, no problem there. Sahadev, Nakul, they're just boys. They're young, they're always, they're just like young boys. They're the youngest. They're not so proud. They're just the sons of physicians, after all. They always, in this way, they always look down 
although actually in the fight, Sahadev especially, at one point he killed so many. But especially Bhima and Arjuna, they killed so many demons in the battle of Kurukshetra. And Bhima was also, he killed Jarasandha. Krishna didn't want to kill Jarasandha himself, personally, because he had some family relationship with him. We see here that Jarasandha was the father-in-law of Kangsa. Kangsa's daughters were the, were the, sorry, sorry, Kangsa's wives were the daughters of Jarasandha. So, Krishna didn't like to kill Jarasandha personally, so he had Bhima do it. Of course, Krishna killed Kangsa, who was his uncle. But there was no, he had to do it, because no one else could do it at that time. At that time, Bhima and Arjuna hadn't come on the scene, and Krishna wasn't going to wait for them to kill Kangsa. It's high time. His time was up. Time for him to be killed. But then others, you see, the other, the brothers of Kangsa, they were killed by Baladev. Because Baladev, Kangsa, Krishna was related to Kangsa. When we say his uncle, it, it's all very intricate. So Baladev, he didn't have that close, <coughs> close relationship. So Krishna let him kill the, uh, the brothers of Kangsa. So he, he minimized having to kill his family members. So, so many demons, they were killed. We were reading in the notes of the, at the end of the last chapter, one name for Krishna is Maya Manusha. So, this word is understood in different ways. And not that Krishna is a product of the material energy, but Maya Manusha means Guru Kapata Manusha. He appeared, he was covered over, Covered means, not personally covered, but covered from the vision of materialistic people. Materialistic people can't see Krishna. He's covered by the curtain of Maya. They think of an ordinary person. So, uh, Krishna and Balaram, they appear in this world. What is that verse? Atimatyani Bhagavad. Saharami Nakeshava. Mm. How is that verse again? No, no, no. It's another verse from Bhagavatam. I just can't remember the first line. Saharame Nakeshava, Atimatyani Bhagavan, Guha Kapatamanusha. This says that Krishna and Balaram appeared, although they, they performed many superhuman activities, but they appeared to the materialistic people to be ordinary people. In this way, they cheated them by thinking. Because the ordinary people, they thought Krishna and Balaram, they're just ordinary like us, like Shishupa used to think. But somehow or other, he, he managed to kill so many demons. He was just by luck, by chance. So the demons, even though they saw Krishna's greatness, they couldn't appreciate it. Now another meaning of Maya Manusha, and another meaning of the word Maya is mercy. So Krishna comes to give mercy to even big, big demons. Who would be merciful to demons? You simply want them punished. They're so bad. Putana was so nasty. She used to kill babies. Now you may ask that, why is it then that you see Krishna, he's playing with all his cowhead boys. How is it they were all still living if Putana was killing all the babies? She didn't get them. By the power of Yoga Maya, she didn't get them at all. 
Kangsa sent Putana out, kill all the young born children. But what happened is, she didn't, by the power of Yoga Maya, she didn't find her way to the houses of the, even though he told her that you, you specifically you should go to Gokul, but she didn't make it there until she came to kill Krishna. And she, she didn't kill Krishna, she got killed by Krishna. So what happened, she killed, she found out all the young babies in the, in the demoniac people's houses. So it, his sending out Putana to kill all the babies backfired on Kangsa because so many children of the demons were killed. So she was so nasty, but Krishna was so kind that he was so merciful to her that he gave her liberation in the position of his mother. This is Krishna's kindness. That Bhaktivinoda he says. Ashura Shakal Pailo Charan. He says that even so many great demons, they attain to your lotus feet. Because actually even these demons, they're not really demons. No one's really a demon in one sense. Certainly, some people are demons. Otherwise, Krishna wouldn't... One whole chapter of Bhagavad Gita is dedicated to pointing out what are the defects or the bad qualities of the demons. But inherently, no one is a demon because everyone's a servant of Krishna. So Krishna, when he kills these demons, he kills their body, he takes away their demoniac mentality also and delivers them back to Godhead, if they want to go. He reawakens their, their feelings for him because Krishna is so attractive, even more attractive than other forms of God. That question came up that, well, we find that Kamsa was in his previous life Kala name. He was also killed by Vishnu. So how come he had to take birth again? That because Vishnu, that's one of his qualities that he has. One of the qualities of Vishnu is that he awards liberations to the he awards liberation to those he kills. But at the same time, the living being is independent. So if he really doesn't want to go back to Godhead, that, okay, Vishnu, you killed me, but I, I still hate you and I don't want to go back to Godhead. I'll come back again and fight you again and torment you again. Let me, birth after birth, be your enemy. This is his desire. That our eternal enemy, the demons are thinking. So, all right, if you insist, but when Krishna comes, Krishna is so overwhelmingly attractive that even the demons in their hatred of him, they find that some attraction is there and Krishna accepts that. Delivers them back to God. That is Krishna's overwhelming mercy. Now we see the list of demons and there are, there are also a list of so many great devotees. So many demons appeared in this world and so many devotees they appeared in the Yadu dynasty and the other, the Yadu, Boja, Andhaka dynasty, different Dynasty, so many great devotees appeared, and even not in great dynasties, not all of the great devotees of Krishna appeared in very, who joined with Krishna's Leela, they didn't all appear in great dynasties. We find even the Aborigine women who used to come, they living in the jungle, the, what we call nowadays Adivasis. So they, they were living in the forests, and they would come out of the forest to bring some fruits, and just like nowadays you find people go in the forest, they bring honey like that, out of the forest. So they would come into the village of Gokul and they would see Krishna, they would be attracted to him and the young girls, they would also be attracted to him and they would pick up some kumkum from the, they, they, their Adivasi girls they wouldn't be using, but when the Krishna had embraced the gopis and some kumkum from their breast had fallen down, they would, they would take that or they would take the dust from where Krishna had been 
walking and put that dust and smear it on their breasts and in this way they would pacify their nasty feelings for Krishna. So they were from what you would call the lowest class. There also you see the florist Sudama in uh, Mathura. When, he went, when Krishna went to Mathura, there, there were some devotees there, just like we see here, some members of the Yadu dynasty, or the, they continued to live with Akrura as his nominal friends. They pretended to be friends. Like Akrura, he was supposed to be the friend of Kansa. Kansa thought, you are my good friend. But actually Akrura, he didn't like Kansa at all. But he was living in uh, Mathura, just he thought, I'll be close to Krishna, maybe I'll get a chance to see Krishna. He didn't want to run away. He thought, at least I'll be close to Krishna and and maybe, surely after some time, Krishna will come and get rid of this tyrant, this despot. So he thought, I'll see these pastimes. So some of the members of the Yadu dynasty, they were living in Mathura. And in the big city, of course, there's not only kings. There is, for every one king, there will be so many helpers in so many, the whole, it's so many different castes are there. So Sudama, the florist, he was there, he was a devotee. There are, we know at least three Sudamas. In Krishna Lila. There's Sudama the forest in Mathura, Sudama the cowherd boy, and Sudama Vipra in Dwaraka, or otherwise Porbanda. He goes the poor, the poor Brahmin who becomes rich. So there were devotees there in, in the lower caste. Florist is not considered high caste, that's considered Shudra class. But he was also a great devotee of Krishna. In the Shudra class, we also have the Washaman. It's considered very low caste, but he, because he thought, I'm a servant of Kansa, he was very puffed up. So he insulted Krishna. He was a demon. He got his head cut off by Krishna. So in all different castes, we find the, the Nagapadmis, the wives of the Kaliya snake, they were also devotees of Krishna. They were not born in a very High lineage. Of course, among the snakes, they also have their, their, there's the Naga Loka, which is below this earth planet, where the, the snakes, or the certain demoniac species, they're snakes, where so they have intelligence, and they have, they have their kings, and their different castes, and everything. So they can take human forms. Even Arjuna married Ulipi, I think her name was. She was hmm? No, Ulipi, the snake wife. Ulupi, the snake wife of Arjuna. So there are so many different uh, devotees in different backgrounds. They came and appeared in these pastimes, and so many demons also. Now we hear that there are many eternal devotees of Krishna who appear with Krishna in his pastimes. Just like the Pandavas, they're considered to be eternal devotees of Krishna who specifically appear to assist his pastimes in this material world. And there are many other devotees who, they come from Golok Vrindavan. Yashoda comes from Golok Vrindavan. Even Devaki and Vasudev, they're eternal associates of the Lord in the spiritual world. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's asked that uh, that previously it's described that Devaki and Devaki and Vasudeva, Yashoda and Nanda in previous births, 
they performed austerities by which they could take the position of Krishna's mother and father. Then how is it that they are eternal devotees of the Lord if they, if they were performing austerities to take this position? It appears that they were devotees in this material world and they had some desire to have the Lord as their son and they performed austerities and they got him as their son. But our Acharyas, especially Jiva Goswami, has explained with reference to the scriptures that actually they are directly from the spiritual world, but they took these forms previously in the material world uh, and then later took the forms of Nanda Yashoda, Vasudeva and Devaki. Now another question may come that if these are eternal associates of the Lord, these are eternal associates of the Lord who perform pastimes of the Lord, Krishna is always the Bhattasi. It's not that he's not ever the Bhattasi, he's always the Every time he appears, he's a Bhattasi. Every time he appears, he performs Raslila with the gopis. And there are many demons also who he kills. Here are the list. There's the list of some of the main ones. Palamba, Baka, Chanura. So Krishna, when he comes, he kills many demons. So is it that these demons come again and again? No. It's not that so. If that was the case, then it would mean that these demons, they were Jivasaru, Krishna, Nitya, Shatru. They would be the eternal enemy of Krishna. But that's not the fact, because the eternal position of the living being is to be the servant of Krishna. We see that these demons were liberated and went back to Godhead. So how is it that every time Krishna comes, that there are demons, similar demons? So it can be understood that different living beings, by their mixture of extreme impiety, mixed with some good fortune, they get the chance to, they, they, they have a demoniac mentality, and they get the chance to take birth as demons who come in contact with Krishna. Anyone who comes in contact with Krishna is fortunate. Even the demons, if they, even by their enmity towards Krishna, they are benefited. Of course, if someone is, it's not that everyone who is inimical towards Krishna, they get, they get the chance to take birth as a Palamba or a Baka or a Bana. So we don't recommend to become inimical towards Krishna. That is very inauspicious for the living being to be inimical towards Krishna. But even if he is inimical towards Krishna, the fact that he's somehow rather thinking of Krishna will ultimately benefit him. He will have to suffer the effects of his offenses, but that, but somehow rather by coming in contact with Krishna, he will be purified. Even if the effect of those offenses, that will, for many, many lifetimes, he will have to suffer. So it definitely is better not to be, we're not recommending be a demon. We're recommending be a, don't be a demon, be a devotee. But even a demon, if he directly is envious of Krishna, he may get, he gets the opportunity to be purified. Just, the, the biggest demons are the Mayavadis who don't even, they don't even like to think of Krishna at all. They totally blot him out. They don't, they don't want to think of him at all. Even the demons like Shishupal, they're more fortunate because they're always thinking of Krishna. Even in enmity, they're thinking of Krishna. So ultimately they get the chance 
to be killed by Krishna. So they're different uh, living beings, they take the forms of different demons in different births. And the pastimes may be a little different every time. It's not absolutely stereotyped that Krishna has to perform his pastimes in exactly the same way every time. Just like, for instance, I believe Vishwanath Chakravarti. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, he describes, Haribo, Prabhu. If you're going to have a long discussion, maybe it could be at some other time or some other place. So Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur describes that sometimes Krishna and Balaram, they ride to Mathura on the, using Kaliya as a horse. So that's a different pastime. And in, in here, in, in this day of Brahma, as described in the Srimad Bhagavatam here, Kaliya is driven away from Mathura Manda, from Rajabhumi. Go out, go to Fiji. And apparently he's in Fiji. So that's also auspicious because it's also auspicious for the people of Fiji because he has the footprints of Lord Krishna all over him. Krishna enjoyed a nice, a nice pastime. Kaliya was being envious towards Krishna, but Krishna enjoyed the nice pastime of dancing on all his hoods. And all his hoods became marked with the footprints of Krishna. And the, the wives of the Naga, the, the Naga Patnis or the wives of Kaliya state, they were very surprised. And how is it? You see, so many devotees, they're simply longing that we could get the dust of Krishna's feet on our head. But gee, the, they're not, this, Kaliya has a thousand heads. And every one of them is marked not with the dust, but directly with the footprints of Krishna. So what, that is called causeless mercy. So many devotees, they want it, they're aspiring for it, they're performing meditation for millions of lifetimes, they don't get such an opportunity. But Kaliya, who is envious to, to, to all living beings, by his poison he killed so many living beings. Just by, his, you see a snake is poisonous. That's, the poison is stored in his body, that is a physical representation of his extreme envy. And Kaliya was so poisonous that his breath was so, his breath was poisonous. And even he was living in the water, but it would, the, his breath would bubble up and then spread around. And even any bird coming in that area would, would be flying and drop down because of the poisonous gas. Like, just like here in Baroda, we get poisonous gas. <laughs> in Ahmedabad also now. They want to emulate Baroda, so they also have poisonous gas. So you see, the demoniac people, they make poisonous gas, which poisons everybody. So Kaliya, he was emanating from his very body, poisonous gas, by which so many living beings were killed. But Krishna was very merciful to him. And later on, Kaliya, by, because he became, he became humble, by thinking, he, he, first of all, he was trying to catch Krishna, and he caught him, and pulled him under the water, and then Krishna escaped, because he, he thought that if I don't... He was enjoying his pastime. But in the meantime, he thought that all the inhabitants of Vrindavan, if I stay underwater even a second longer, they'll all die. Because they're thinking I'm dead, and if they think I'm dead, then they'll all die. They're all unconscious on the ground, thinking that Krishna had died. So Krishna escaped from Kaliya's embrace. Kaliya was embracing him, not in... not... Not the same as the embrace of the gopis, but still, he was fortunate enough to embrace the Supreme Lord. Then Krishna came up and Krishna was dancing on his hoods and Kaliya was, had so many, so many tentacles. And he was 
thinking, ah, Krishna was dancing on this one with, with a few heads to try and catch him. In the meantime, Krishna would jump up on that one and this way Kaliya became bewildered. And eventually he realized, wait a minute, I can't win, I'm losing. Then he surrendered to Krishna and became a great devotee. And all the unseen to the other inhabitants of Vrindavan, all the gopis, they also came up and said, hey, you were dancing like that, but we didn't enjoy. We also want to enjoy. When you're dancing, you should dance with us. So they all had a nice Ras Leela dance on Kaliya's foot while he was moving up and down. These are some of the pastimes Krishna was enjoying. So Kaliya became devotee. His wives, they're already devotees. Sometimes we see that the wives become devotees and, and afterwards the husband comes devotee. Sometimes it's run the other way. In this case, the Nagapatnis, they were great devotees and by because of their devotion and their good wishes for him, their husband, who was after all a great demon, he also, by the combined mercy of Guru, in this case his gurus were his wives, and Krishna, he also became a devotee of Krishna. So we will see so many personalities are being mentioned here in these pastimes of Krishna in Vrindavan and outside Vrindavan. So many different devotees with so many different relationships. The, the Nagapatnis, they were great devotees. They were still thinking of their husband. Now they prayed to Krishna that please deliver him. After all, He's a snake. What do you expect from a snake? He's envious by his nature. But now we promise he won't do any more trouble. We'll keep him in control and please let him go. So that, whereas we find the, another set of wives, they're the Dvija Patnis. They totally, the, the wives of the Brahmins who are performing sacrificial ceremonies, they were, they completely, they didn't care for their husbands at all. If they are the husbands, they're not devotees, to hell with them. Let's go and see Krishna. And even the, the Brahminas themselves, themselves said, to hell with us. After they realized that Krishna was the Supreme Personality of Godhead and they neglected him, they said, they themselves condemned him. First of all, their wives practically condemned them by leaving them. And then later on, they themselves condemned them. Why? What is the use of all our sacrificial ceremonies and our birth as high class Brahmins and we, Krishna came to us and we couldn't even recognize him. Still they didn't recognize him because they thought Kansa, he's just a short distance away. We have to be careful. We have to be practical for rules. Krishna's, Krishna's here but Kansa's there. So, you know, we're, we're at the border. They were just living on the edge of Vrindavan on the side close to Mathura. So they thought, we're in between Krishna and Kansa. So, it's all right being a devotee of Krishna, but what if Kansa finds out and he gets to us before Krishna comes? So they recognized Krishna as the Supreme Lord, but they didn't really have faith in him, like his wives had. His wives had faith that even if we abandon our husbands, Krishna will protect us. We're more interested in Krishna. So there are so many varieties of devotees that we just will be described here. And this has been the subject matter and still is the subject matter of great devotees who analyze these pastimes and see what, how is Krishna relating with his different devotees, who are these devotees, what are their different relationships, what are the relationships of the devotees in Vrindavan, 
what are the relationships with the devotees in Mathura and Dwaraka, what are the relationships in Vaikuntha. Therefore, our Brihad Bhagavatamrita of Sanatana Goswami, that is considered the exposition of Srimad Bhagavatam because it describes the different relationships of the devotees going up to the highest devotees in Vrindavan, highest of all as Srimati Radharani. So, this book is an exposition of Srimad Bhagavatam, which ultimately Srimad Bhagavatam is a book of rasa. Bhagavatam explains the Bhagavatam, the philosophy of the absolute truth, that over and uh, over and above and beyond that, the ultimate limit of rasa, the ultimate limit of philosophy is to appreciate the rasa, the pastimes of Krishna. But even to understand the rasa, that there is also philosophy to understand that. Rasa is all to be, also to be understood analytically and philosophically. It's to be experienced, but it's to be understood analytically and philosophically. Therefore, we find that in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the ocean of the nectar of Rasa, Bhakti Rasa, by Rupa Goswami, he analyzes what are the different Rasas and what is Rasa Bhas. What are contradictory Rasas, which no one should which should not be attended, they're contradictory, they don't bring pleasure to Krishna. So, Srimad Bhagavatam establishes what is the correct philosophy and what is Rasa, and these are to be properly understood. Bhakti Siddhanta Viruddha Arasha Vash Shunite Prabhuchite Nahoyulash and Chaitanya Charitamrita stated that Bhakti Siddhanta Viruddha Arasha Vash any statement that is against the proper philosophical understanding of the bhakti science, or mixed mellows, improper mellows, just like mixing the, the, the uh, ghastly ras and new, neutral ras with with uh, conjugal ras. That's called rasa bas. Just like, for instance, if someone says that uh, so many days I've been very, I've been trying to be, I've been attracted to the form of the of the opposite sex, which is simply made of blood, pus, stool, and urine, but but now I'm going to give that up because I am now attracted to the intimate conjugal pastimes of Krishna. So, within the format of Vrindavan Lila, that is rasa bas, because you can't have conjugal ras mixed up with this ghastly, neutral, ghastly and neutral ras. These two, not in this. That the neutral ras is that's the staiva that has become mixed with the conjugal ras. So these they don't mix neutrality and conjugal ras and gastiness and conjugal ras. They don't mix. So all these things have to be understood from Srimad Bhagavatam and from books like Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which are the analysis of Srimad Bhagavatam, how to understand. But ultimately, that is to be experienced. Ultimately, Srimad Bhagavatam is presenting these pastimes of Krishna that we may enter into those pastimes and experience them. It's not simply a, a matter of discussion. Of course, discussing Srimad Bhagavatam, that Srimad Bhagavatam is not different from Krishna. So a pure devotee can experience Krishna in every page of Bhagavatam. He can experience Krishna's pastimes. But it's not simply a matter of academic analysis. 
one has to actually enter into the mood of the devotees by taking up the service mood, then he can understand Krishna and experience these pastimes. So that cannot be attempted prematurely. That is a gift from Krishna. Atashri Krishna Namadina Bhavadrahimindriyai One cannot artificially do a pole vault into Krishna's leelas, but he has to become qualified by serving Krishna. Then Krishna will bestow upon him the understanding and the experience of Bhakti Ras. So now we're beginning the tenth canto of Bhagavatam, having read through all the previous cantos in the classes here, in this temple. So, tenth canto especially, that is a matter of relish. All the Bhagavatam is meant for study, understanding, and relishing. Especially the tenth canto, the pastimes of Krishna, are most relishable. Because Krishna is the most attractive, his name is Krishna. He is the most attractive form of the attractive forms of the personality of Godhead. So these tenth canto pastimes, they're the subject matter of relish, uh, particularly by the rasika bhaktas, or those who are experiencing those rasas. But all classes of people can enjoy hearing about Krishna, with the exception of two. Two classes of people, they, they will not relish the pastimes of Krishna. That is described at the beginning of the previous chapter. They are Pashugna, the animal killer, or the killer of the soul, namely the Mayavadi. They will not relish the pastimes of Krishna, but everybody else, they can relish these, they can take pleasure in hearing the pastimes of Krishna. Therefore, Prabhupada presented Krishna book, the, the pastimes of Krishna in the tenth canto, with philosophical explanations, so that people were not misunderstood, and had them widely distributed, so that people can have some attraction for Krishna. Because by hearing about Krishna, the result is that you go to Krishna, Srinanti, Gayanti, Vrinanti, Abhikshnasha, Smaranti, Nandanti, Tavehitan, Janaha. Taeva Pashanta, Chirena, Tavakam, Bhava, Pravaho, Paramang, Padam, Bhujam, Kunti Devi presents very nice analysis that she says, my dear Krishna, those who hear about your pastimes, or glorify your pastimes, or remember your pastimes, or take pleasure in others doing so, certainly see your lotus feet. And therefore, they will never again have to see repeated birth and death. So this is the benefit of Krishna's pastimes. Actually, we're here. We're supposed to discuss Krishna's pastimes. There's so much philosophy to be discussed. But our goal or our, our desire, our aim is to discuss Hari Kata, of which there, there's philosophy, there's description of the form of Krishna, and specifically discussion of the pastimes of Krishna. They're very pleasing. They're very pleasing to the to hear. Therefore, now we're entering into the tenth canto of Bhagavatam, there'll be discussion of Krishna's pastimes, so I won't be here, but those of you who are, you can relish hearing these pastimes of Krishna in Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the perfection of life. 
to relish these pastimes, to engage in the service of Krishna, to chant the names of Krishna, to hear the pastimes of Krishna. These, all these activities are on the platform. They're on the perfectional platform. So we may not have reached the perfectional platform of appreciation of what it means to serve Krishna, what it means to chant his names, what it means to hear his pastimes. But these activities, they're activities on the perfectional platform. The per- perfected souls, they like to hear about Krishna. And even those who are not perfected, that are trying to be perfected, they also like to hear about Krishna. And as they cultivate that relish for hearing about Krishna, they become perfect. Hare Krishna. Any question? Comments? Hmm. Not to speak loudly, because it's quite a long way, right? Hmm. After liberation, I heard both the devotees and the, and the non-devotees that by the mercy of Krishna the task go back to Godhead, and then. What is completely different? The activities. Their attitude towards Krishna is different, yes? Well, that is the mercy of Krishna. Many times the demons, they don't, they're liberated, but they don't go back to Godhead, especially those who are killed by the Lord in other forms than, than, than Vishnu, in other forms than Krishna. They get impersonal liberation. But, and, but mostly those who are killed by Krishna directly, they get liberated back to Godhead. We can only say that's Krishna's special mercy, causeless mercy. Causeless mercy means, if you say, what is the reason, then the word causeless means ahaituki. It means without any hatu, without any particular cause, other than Krishna's mercy. That is his mercy. Causeless mercy. They may not get a position as exalted as the devotee. They'll get some devotional position. But Putana took the position of mother, not the position of mother your shoulder. But she got the position of mother. Therefore, that famous verse is there. Who spoke that? Uddhava. He said, who should I take shelter of? But who can be more merciful than Krishna? Just see. How merciful Krishna is. The, the understanding is that how merciful he is because he gave Uttana the position of his mother. Now the understanding is that all these demons, who, they also had some attraction for Krishna. And Krishna, after killing them, he took away all their offenses and all their sinful activities. And what was left, a little bit of attraction for Krishna, Krishna magnified that and gave, gave them the position as his devotee. Now, in the case of Putana, it's described, in her previous life, she was the sister of Bali Maharaj. Her name was Ratnamala. So when Bamandev first came, she saw, oh, what a nice little boy. So sweet and cute and beautiful. She thought, who is that lucky woman who has suckled him at her breast? I wish I could also have the opportunity. She had a motherly feelings towards him. But then later when Vaman Dave 
cheated Bali Maharaj and took everything away from him, superficially cheated him. She, along with all the other demons, apart from Bali Maharaj and Pallad Maharaj, became very angry. Because that is the nature of the demons, they're against Vishnu. So she became very angry and her demoniac mentality came out and she thought, I'd like to kill this rascal. He came as a nice little boy, but he was came to cheat us. So in the next life she got the opportunity at Putana to attempt what is not possible anyway, to kill him. So after she was killed by Krishna, Krishna remembered that after all, she did at one point have some loving feelings towards me. So Krishna remembered, she wanted to be my mother. All right, let her be my mother. That is the mercy of Krishna. He takes the good side, not the bad side. He thought that she has some motherly feeling, let me accept it. That the, the bad thing, all right, cut that out. But what is the good thing? Accept that. So that is uh, devotees, especially devotees in the creatures of Krishna consciousness. That is their expertise also, because we can't uh, we can't think that everyone we meet will be a devotee. We have to meet so many demoniac people in our preaching. So if if the devotee, the very expert devotee, can find some <coughs> some inclination to serve Krishna, and if he can bring that out. He can make the de- demons into devotees. That is the gift from Krishna, if he can do that. Mm. While in our case, the devotees are spending their whole life to do the Krishna consciousness, and even if they produce some apparatus, we want to get their depression. So, why this contradiction? Why this contradiction? The devotees, they're all the time serving Krishna, but if you do some offense, you're not going to get Krishna consciousness. Well, no, if you make some offense, it's not necessary that you're not going to get Krishna consciousness. But it will, an offense will, um, that will slow down your progress. But offense doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to get Krishna consciousness. We're, the process of sadhana is to come to the perfect stage by which we become free from all offenses. Even then you may do due to carelessness or whatever. There may be some, there may, accidentally there may be some offense also, even with 